Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Christian Project. Joined today with Nicole, my wife, beautiful wife. Um, and by the way, if you guys don't know what the Healthy Christian Project is, it's actually an online coaching program specifically designed for Christians to help you grow healthier physically and mentally and spiritually. So if you're interested in any way in that, go ahead and click the link in the description and I'll personally reach out to you, send you a message and and see if we can help you in any way. So today we're talking a little bit about identity and purpose. So hence, who am I and why am I here? And I'm not talking about who I am specifically and why I am here specifically, but rather those existential questions that we always seem to face Wow. I can't see you. <laughs> yeah, I never realized how in the way this plant is. Okay. Uh, those existential questions that we always seem to face. So let's start with that question, who am I? And it's related to identity, right? So I spent, as you would know, and maybe as some of the listeners would know, I spent two years in University of Windsor's um, Bachelor's Fine Arts Acting Program. And I learned a lot of important lessons there and they were indispensable. They brought me far lessons ranging from, you know, proper communication, controlling my body, uh, my body as a vessel, the same way that piano is a vessel for making music as a musician. My body is a vessel for acting as an actor. I learned about, you know, breathing before you speak and preparing beforehand and memorizing, collaborating with others and how annoyingly difficult the creative process is. Um, And by the way, for those who don't really have as much experience with the creative process, what you are listening to right now is an excerpt from the first draft of the book that I am writing, which is unfortunately also a creative process, which is ridiculously difficult. I'm sure you have experience with uh, creativity and piano. Oh, yeah. The creative process is definitely difficult, but I think it's... uh... I don't do a lot of composing or mm. a lot of, you know, improvising. So, I mean, my creative process is really focusing on the sound yeah. <laughs> that I'm producing. But, yeah, it, it definitely can be difficult. I used to have a picture on my phone and it just said the creative process and underneath it was just a scribble because <laughs> uh, that's honestly what it is. But anyways, um, my time there was not all sunshine and rainbows. In fact, one of the main reasons I left, aside from, you know, wanting to get married, um, was because they were trying to teach me things that at the time compromised my morals in the name of acting. And the excuse was, it's the character doing it, not you. You know, you have to embrace the life of the character. It's the character who's swearing, the character who is literally blaspheming God, the character who is... um, abusing and and, and doing this stuff. But then there were other lessons that I look back on and that I, looking back on it now, I disagree, even though they were much, much more subtle and I didn't even realize. And one of those lessons that was ingrained into almost everything that we did was follow your impulses. And you kind of hear that everywhere nowadays, but follow your impulse. And acting, if you have an impulse, that's always a good sign as an actor that something creative is about to happen. So don't waste it, follow it. And from that kind of stemmed, another lesson was to find your own identity, make your own future. It's all in your hands. And on the surface, these lessons don't seem like they're harmful at all. 
you know, follow your heart. Uh, your future belongs to you. And, and it all sounds joyful and sunshine and rainbows, but the greatest lies are often in a grain of truth and main, made to be painfully attractive. That's true. And it's actually very interesting because, I mean, in the world, um, you hear a lot like follow your heart. I mean, that's like probably the lesson in a lot of movies <laughs> is follow your heart. You know, they're totally okay with um, like, you'll find movies where somebody will be fully married to somebody or in a relationship, but they make the relationship seem like, Oh, that's the problem. And you know, you should go be with the person you really want to be. And that's like, you know, the happy ending. But when when I was little, I watched some of these movies, like, you know, maybe they're rom-coms or something. And I would think like, yeah, you know, she finally got the relationship she always wanted. But now when I watch these same movies, I'm like, no, what are you doing? Yeah, you, were you can't, you're in a relationship. In a relation, you can't just leave <laughs> yeah. your relationship because your heart tells you exactly. that you're not in love anymore. Yeah. And so I think I, once you spend more time in the word, and you realize, wait, you're not supposed to follow your impulses. You're not supposed to follow your heart because it is deceitful, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, we haven't gotten there yet. Though. Oh, okay. I don't we'll want to skip there. ahead. Yeah, we'll but I just wanted to say it's interesting that they're teaching this in an acting program. And on the surface, it seems it seems normal well, because yeah, that's what you learn. It's in yeah. everything nowadays. Society exactly. tells you to follow your heart. The movies tell you to follow your heart. Music, the lyrics are saying, follow your heart. Yeah. And you know, why not? Only you must, only you know yourself best, right? No one else can decide your future for you, right? Not right. It's actually very wrong. Let me tell you what that lesson actually taught me. Follow your heart. I didn't know what my heart wanted. So I spent the next five years transferring schools, changing majors because I got bored from what I was learning. My heart told me that it was time for a change. That I didn't want to do that thing. I transferred from acting to biomedical sciences to philosophy and was never satisfied. In my high school days, it was even worse. My heart was full of lust. And so I would talk to a girl, flirt for a few weeks. My heart would convince me that I was bored and I would ditch that girl in pursuit of a new girl. Glad I didn't know you in high school. Yeah. Because I would have selected that half yeah. So, you know, <laughs> what's wrong with that? I was just following my heart, right? And then there's that stupid, I don't want to say stupid, but it is a little bit stupid. There's that stupid notion of find your identity, your future is in your hands. And the lessons of this one, the consequences of this one are clear in our society today. When we try to find our own identity, we just confuse ourselves. I totally agree. And I think a lot of the time we fool ourselves into thinking that we find an identity in reality, we are just copying what we see other people do. Either that or you begin to ascribe uh, your identity to something so superficial, such as your gender, your race, exactly. your material possession, how you look, even the things that you've done in your past. That's very true. And I honestly, when I went through that kind of finding my identity phase when I was in my undergrad, I mean, I never realized how influenced I was by the things I was seeing on social media like I became a so-called feminist just because I saw like for years I was seeing a Mm -hmm. whole bunch of feminist posts and I was just 
absorbing the opinion of other people. If I saw that majority of people are disagreeing with this, mm, I disagree with it too. <laughs> if I find majority, I just want whatever the majority. You know, I actually saw this video one time on social media and it actually made me a little bit sad. There was a guy uh, just scrolling on Instagram and this was the reel I was watching. A guy was scrolling on Instagram. He saw a video that he liked. He laughed. He, he loved that video, double tapped it, opened the comments, saw everybody was negative, negative comments, negativity, angry at the person who posted it. He went back, unliked the video and then kept on going. Honestly, if I'm being completely honest right now, I have done that before. Yeah. And it's kind of embarrassing to say where obviously now I I'm not as I mean at least I don't think I'm as impressionable and I am trying more to just make my opinion and stick to it and not just be swayed with whatever other people say. Um, but I've definitely done that before mm-hmm. where just because I saw the majority and so what that hap what I mean what that shows is that is your identity that you're forming, the opinions that you're forming. Is it really yourself or is it just what you're seeing everybody else do if you're seeing everybody else make their identity about their race about their gender is that what you're also doing because you're seeing other people do it so you're just following and then yeah you end up not finding your identity but other people end up telling you what your identity should be and so my question is what happens when things change like you said what if you lose all your material possessions or what if you know something changes your identity is not something that you find, nor is it something that should change. So when we allow our identity to be rooted in the world, there are certain consequences that will naturally take place. We become convinced that our purpose in life is just one thing, to find happiness. And happiness is not a bad thing. So neither should, it can't be life's purpose either. You know, happiness is not a bad thing, but it can't be the only thing we seek after in life. But we hear all the time, eat and drink and be merry. The more you own, the happier you'll be. The nicer things that you own, the happier you'll be. You'll be happier when you get the nicer car, the bigger house, the more expensive purse, the bigger and better insert thing here. And so the desire to acquire more wealth and more money becomes our number one goal in life when we root ourselves in this world and try to find our identity in this world. It's kind of like you're known by what you own. And it's kind of sad. That's true. I think there's also another aspect of finding your identity in this world is that you are always going to try to seek others' approval. Well, depending on the person, but I think it's more likely that even like, you know, with why would you want to own a Rolex? Why would you want to own these things if it's not for status? Because you're it's caring it, about what other people think of you. You are very concerned with making sure you have other people's approval. And so instead of seeking for God's approval, and I definitely struggle with this sometimes yeah. still, where, you know, I look, I try to please people, you know, so they like me. But really, the only people, the only, the only one we should be trying to please is God, yeah. not others. And that's kind of, this is what happens when we deceive ourselves into thinking that our identity is found in our wealth or our possessions or our gender or our race or whatever it is, then we begin to see others' identity in that those things too. And we begin to convince ourselves that 
our worth is found in these things. Their worth is found in these things. And so some people are less worthy if they don't own what we own, if they don't support the same things that we support. Our priorities are getting out of whack. It's messing with us. And that's kind of why we feel empty. Honestly, I've never actually thought of it that way, but that makes sense. If you start identifying, like you find your worth and identity in your grades, for example, when other people don't do as well, you may value them a bit mm-hmm. less. Or mm-hmm. oh, in they're dumber, so they're yeah, not as good as me. Exactly. Or in wealth, if you see somebody with less wealth, then wealth you're not going to respect one of those them as terrible much. Terrible ones, because yeah. at the end of the day, we're all we're all human. Yeah. We're all made in God's image, but wealth is so deceptive that those who own more and have more and have more money and even whether they worked for it or not they begin to devalue the lives of those who don't seeing them as slaves seeing them as underneath them and that's what happens when we root our identity and and money and in wealth and things that change because what happens when this dude or anyone loses all their money then they're just below everybody else and so think about that and now let's kind of shift the topic but keep it in the same way all of that find your identity find your meaning is is based on the assumption that there is no god and that you know this is it this is what you get you have to find your own meaning because there's no one else will write it for you no one else will give it for you but what would your life's purpose be if god did not exist let me let me tell you it would literally be meaningless. If God did not exist, then the only reason that you are here is because your parents procreated and their parents procreated and the list would just keep going. Your life would officially have no meaning. And atheists try to to assert this claim, but their entire theology is built upon the fact that the world came into existence accidentally by a random stroke of chance, and all we are is a clump of cells that lives and breathes and tomorrow will die and no one will remember us. And so the natural consequence of such thinking is empty, meaningless existence. You can't create meaning out of something that is meaningless. No matter what you do on this earth, whether you win a Nobel Prize or rule the world, or you just live a humble life, regardless, no one will remember you. And I'm actually going to quote from the atheist Bible here. There is an, there is atheist. an atheist Bible. What? Yeah. <laughs> First time you're going to The quote-unquote purpose of a thing is the intention that some agent pursues with this thing. If we want to find the purpose of our lives, we have to find someone who pursues some intention with us. And this is, again, Atheist Bible. As we have seen, God cannot take this role in an atheist worldview. Now, who else could pursue an intention with us? How about ourselves? Do you have an intention for your life? If yes, then this is the purpose that you have given to your life. If your intention is to make money, then money is the purpose that you are giving to your life. If your intention is to be happy, then being happy is the purpose that you have given to your life. Quite plainly, your purpose in life is whatever you choose it to be. This is not a deep insight. It just follows from the definition of the word purpose. Your body is a thing, and the purpose of that thing is whatever intention that you pursue with it. And so, without God in the picture... 
There is no one to give any purpose or meaning to your life except for yourself. Typically, in everyday life, we see that the creator of an object gives something a purpose. The creator of a computer make, made that computer for a reason, for a purpose. The creator of this chair that we're sitting on made it for a purpose. The creator of this microphone made it for a purpose. But the atheist view is we have no creator. And so the object has to instill itself, bestow upon itself a purpose. Does that really make sense? No. How does my microphone give itself a purpose? I was just thinking now, like this plant right here that is obstructing my view of you. <laughs> Imagine if each leaf said, oh, we need to give our self a purpose. So they each individually decide that they have a different purpose. Mm -hmm. What would this plant look like? You would have maybe one leaf that's huge. You'd have one leaf that's yellow. You'd have one leaf that's tiny. Like they would just, I mean, not saying that human beings just like are all the same and stuff. That's not what I mean, but you it also can't decide its own purpose, this plant. Yeah. Like it can't do, it can't read a book. Like it can't yeah. <laughs> just start changing. But, I mean, naturally what flows from that line of thinking is we have to enjoy the existence that we have, eat, drink, and be merry, go have fun, make mistakes, try all the drugs that you can, sleep with all the partners that your lust can possibly fulfill, eat junk food, go to parties, get as rich as you can, bathe in luxury, care only for yourself because you only have one life, YOLO. Yeah, I think, uh, and that line of thinking has definitely infiltrated our society and our culture's way of thinking. I think that's the dominant way of thinking now. It is. And I remember when I was in my undergrad and I was going through like an identity crisis and, you know, I, I felt very conflicted because one part of me like was listening to the world saying, you have to love yourself. You have to put yourself first. You have to put yourself above others. You should only care about yourself. And the other part of me was thinking, well, the Bible doesn't, it says the opposite, actually, that I should put my, put others before myself, mm -hmm. that I should love God and then love my neighbors. I'm not even on the top two, you know, there. <laughs> but then, like we just talked about, the way the world has conditioned us is so selfish. Yeah. The selfishness, it's all built around me, me, exactly. me. I was just going to say that. It's all me, me, me. And it's all about ourselves. And you know what's very interesting? Around that time, I was also following this random like feminist page on Instagram because that was my feminist phase. And I remember out of nowhere, this page post, what is Satanism? Satanism, okay? Like we're talking about Satan, Satanism, uh-huh, okay? And it was describing, they're like, no, this isn't worship of Satan. Like it's nothing scary like that. It's where you worship yourself and you focus on yourself mm. and all of this. And they were presenting it as if it was a good thing. Like, oh, people should try this out. And even the caption was saying, you know, this isn't as bad as people make it out to be. It's actually pretty healthy. It's a pretty good idea. And people in the comments were affirming this. I'm like, are you guys... This is Satanism. It's, it's not even hiding. It's, it's not. It doesn't need to hide because yeah. at the end of the day, we are selfish and we want to be selfish. Notice even the atheist Bible itself claims that it's not a deep insight. They said this is not a particularly deep insight. Why? Because they equate our lives with that of an object. And an object's purpose 
is only to serve some physical purpose. The same way that this chair allows someone to sit on it, that's its purpose. So the purpose of our lives must be physical because all we all there is is the physical, right? And so, as they said, your body is a thing. Your body is just a thing. For Christians, as we have seen, your body is so much more than just a thing. It's a gift. It's a vessel. It's the vessel through which our minds and our spirits are connected. And God has a completely different answer to what is your identity and what is your purpose. And so let's go down to that. We definitely have a need for a purpose. We feel like if we don't have a purpose, our lives are meaningless and obsolete. And as we have seen, the purpose of making yourself happy is not going to fulfill us. It's always going to leave us unhappy. And it's actually a very good thing to search for a purpose. God put a calling on each and every one of us that's greater than anything that we could do in ourselves in our own meaningless pursuit of happiness. However, when we don't know what our purpose is, it can actually cause a lot of frustration and anger. And then what happens is we begin to ascribe no purpose to our lives, seeing ourselves as useless and meaningless. But just because we don't understand what God's calling or purpose is on our lives right now doesn't mean that there isn't one. So the way I've seen it, there are three options. Either God will show us our purpose, but we are not ready for it. God will show us our purpose and we are ready for it, but we will run away from it. Or God will not show us our purpose because we are not ready and he doesn't want to scare us off. And we can see all of these in scripture. So number one, actually, Let's jump to number three. Often God won't show us our purpose or make it clear because he doesn't want to scare us off too early. And so there was a girl, um, this isn't this isn't actually in scripture, but there was a girl named Sarah. Uh, I'm just going to make this story up, okay? A girl named Sarah. Uh, and she was studying computer science in university. She was doing that because she wanted her parents to be happy and that's what her parents wanted and she didn't really know what else she could do or was capable of and she hated computer science she hated going to class she hated everything about it she didn't know what she was going to do when she graduated she felt lost she felt confused she felt like she had no purpose for her life she graduated from her program felt more lost than ever because she didn't have any plans for her future she didn't even want to live anymore she actually wanted to kill herself but a friend convinced her just to take it one day at a time, trust God, see what doors that he would open. And so she started working in a restaurant day after day, no plan for her future, just taking it one day at a time. And one day when she felt like ready to give up, someone came into the store and asked for a meal. But that person had no money. Clearly, he was also homeless. Uh, he wanted to feed his family. So Sarah snuck some food, gave it to him for free. And that was it. Next week, he came in again. Again, she snuck some food. She gave it to him for free, not thinking really anything of it. And this happened actually for a few months. Week after week, this guy would come in, uh, ask Sarah for some food, and she would graciously give it. And he would thank her and then go on his way. 
And so a few years passed by. This kind of kept on happening. One day he stopped showing up. And again, she was kind of ready to kill herself. And something happened. Uh, this this young kid came in with his sister. And he asked to see a girl named Sarah. And she was like, yep, that's me. <laughs> All sad. Um, he was like, you don't know this, but you literally saved our lives. You gave our dad food when he had nothing and we were about to die. If you didn't do that every week, then we wouldn't be here. And then she realized that God used her through a seemingly unimportant door where she felt lost, hopeless, purposeless, purposeless to save the life of another person. So often when God doesn't immediately reveal what our purpose is, you have to be patient, take it that one day at a time, and let God reveal it to you as he develops your character. Because he was still allowing her to fulfill her purpose, even though she had no idea. Then there is the other ones. God showing us our purpose and we're not ready, or God showing us our purpose we are ready and we run away. Now, as we know, God uses every circumstance in our life for character development. Um, it's up to us to accept it or to reject it. The more we accept, the more character development that we uh, kind of allow him to do, the faster that we will be become the person that he is calling us to be. So let's take the example of King David. David was around 15 years old when the prophet Samuel called him to anoint him to become a king. But it wasn't until 22 years, so seven years after, that he became king of Judah. And then he waited another eight years on top of that to become king of Israel. So this means that God revealed David's purpose when he was a kid and made him wait seven years before he could fulfill that purpose. And then another eight years, so like 15, 16 years of character development before he could actually fulfill the purpose most effectively. And what was he doing in those 15 years? Shepherding. He was learning to... Fighting Goliath. Fighting Goliath. <laughs> um, making music and running away from King Saul. Um, that was a classic. Another one, Moses. Moses knew that very early that he was going to free the Israelites. And that's why he ended up killing one Egyptian. Um, but that wasn't the right time. And so he went and lived for 40 years. He got married. He had kids. Like he, he just chilled, you know? And in that time, God was preparing him. He knew what he was going to do, but God was preparing him. It just wasn't time yet. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think... Well, God knows each person the best, like better than they know themselves. He knows the heart of each person and he knows when each person's ready to hear it. And as you said, there are some people where they need to know their purpose first and that drives them, that it guides them to fulfill that purpose. While others, it may scare them away. They may run away. Mm -hmm. And well, that's Jonah. Exactly. The last example He's we got forced. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Um, Jonah knew his purpose, was ready for his purpose, but didn't want it. And so he ran away. It said in Jonah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, 
go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship bound for that port, paying the fare. He went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Can't, can't flee from the Lord. Yeah. So Jonah was a prophet who God called for a specific purpose. It was a very difficult task. And Jonah refused and he ran away from the Lord. And this shows us that often God has a calling on our lives, but we will reject it because we have other things planned for ourselves that we think are better. Exactly. And we think sometimes we know, we think we know better and that's simply not true. We definitely don't know better than God. So encouragement, we have a purpose for our lives. We don't create that purpose ourselves. We don't find the meaning, find our identity. God's already given it to us. It's up to us to either accept it or to reject it. If we do know what it is and we're ready for it, don't be like Jonah. In fact, the entire Jonah story is almost a warning. God has a calling. Accept it and don't accept it begrudgingly, but accept it joyfully. If we don't know what it is, then be patient and notice that God is developing you for it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, like you mentioned in that story earlier with Sarah, there, there are some times where our purpose is being fulfilled in our suffering. Yep. For example, when you see people um, like in the New Testament that Jesus heals and when they question, you know, why why are they crippled or why are they going through this? But he said it's so that the glory of God could be made known. You know, they were asking, is it because of his sin or of his father's sin? Why is this person going through this? And a lot of the time we don't realize that, well, actually everybody's purpose ultimately is to glorify God. That is everybody's ultimate purpose. And we are supposed to worship and praise God in our existence. And then and that could look differently for each person. That's true. But then that takes us down finally to our identity. Notice, remember before, our identity was rooted in what we own, how we look, what gender, what race, whatever it is. But God does not say that that's what our identity is. In fact, to Him, we are His children. Our identity doesn't change based on what society tells us, but it is the same because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. When we put our identity in, in him, in Jesus, we don't have to keep shifting around and changing things. And we also don't end up looking down on other people if they don't have the same things that we do or if they don't agree with what we do. With God, our identity is so much more than anything that we could ascribe to our own lives. It is solid. It's rooted. It won't change when people change, when things change. And it's full of a purpose. It's an identity that has a reason. There's a reason for everything. Yeah. I mean, look at the story of Job. He lost... He... He was basically blameless. He always followed God and he followed God with his whole heart. Everything was taken away from him, everything. And 
he we spent the entire book of Job just basically, <laughs> you know, him asking why, like, what did I do or what happened? And his friends basically accusing him of something he didn't do. Yeah. But through the whole, he, his purpose was being fulfilled through all that suffering. And that purpose was to be faithful to God throughout suffering, throughout the lowest of low that you could go from hitting rock bottom and never turning away from God. And so that's, that was pretty amazing the way God brought mm-hmm. him back up, gave him twice as much as what he had before. And it was all, all that suffering was to fulfill his purpose. And that was that he never ever changed or shifted from his identity in God. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Even no matter what his circumstances were, whether he had everything or had nothing, he never turned away from God. Amen. And so we don't have to put our identity in the things. Like we are not objects. Our body is not a thing. Our body is a gift. Our body is so much more than just some physical thing because when we look at ourselves as physical things we begin to look at others as physical things you know that that objectification and they just they don't just become physical things they become physical things that are designed for our pleasure our selfish desires with god others are not physical things others are people created in the image of god they're brothers and sisters they are like us. We're all one in Christ. We are all children of the living God who he has created for a purpose so much greater than anything we can come up with by ourselves. And so, yeah, Atheist Bible, not a fan uh, overall. <laughs> I didn't know they had an Atheist Search it up. Bible. There's, there's a lot. Yeah. So it is a religion. Atheism is a religion. As much as they they claim that they're not, it is its own religion. Um, And would you rather believe that some random stroke of chance just brought us here, created beauty and, and complexity and all these things, or would you rather believe that our creator did this and he designed us for a purpose? Intentionally. The same way that everything we design is for a purpose. We were designed for a purpose. Amen. Well, again, this was another episode of the Healthy Christian Project. And for those listening, join us next time.